Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. David. And I'm Heidi. And I'm jealous. <laughs> Heidi? Care, you care eight sanchos every single day. You care to tell why days. I'm jealous? I'm going to have a hard time doing the podcast with you guys because even though we're doing through Zoom right now because I'm, I'm still trying to bounce back from all my health issues. I'm looking at Heidi. She's she's equally as tan as me and I don't like that because that's not a normal thing. Because I haven't seen No, it is not long. normal. I haven't seen I will tell you this. My tan is like from here up and it doesn't include my under the chin white spot from being a reader on the beach, but I just sit on the beach. Went to, the, so what he's talking wait, wait, about. Oh, you that. had to I sit on the beach. Hold on. So let me get out some Kleenex right now for you. Hold on. Okay. Go ahead. No, Heidi. I had to wear sweats. It was cold. It was a little chilly. It's yeah. It's Southern California, not Jamaica, not Fiji. No, it was, it was not super warm, but it was worth well worth the the effort um and you know the short walk to sancho's which i still can't believe like i just think maybe like the fight has to try to convince them to do like for everybody's mental health having a franchise here in utah i think that it's just what they owe the world well yeah and also until that happens you guys can now get their chubby sauce do you see that they sell it by the bottles now I thought it's a huge step in the right direction. So yeah, uh, one of the most uh, famous comedians out there right now, Bert Kreischer. He loves the sauce. He gives away his like his like some of. Oh, he does. Oh yeah. So yeah, if you guys want a great, it's I can't even describe. You just want to try a really great, like mildly. It's like kind of medium hot, not even like really hot, but it's like a green sauce that doesn't taste like a. I don't know. It's sweet and spicy and it's delicious. Chubby sauce, Sancho's Tacos. Go to their Instagram. Highly suggest you buying it. So anyways, I'm still jealous, Heidi, of both those things that you actually, there was somebody while I was in California, I was posting about being at Sancho's. It's our, it's our favorite, David's favorite, our family favorite. And um, so there was a lady, somebody from, from Southern California that said she's a teacher down in the Balboa area, which is where we were staying. And she's like, I drive by that place. I've never eaten there. So I finally, after watching your stories, I finally stopped and she's like, holy cow my life has changed forever you know because it's just different than any anything you've ever had just you can't even describe it okay so we're not sponsored by sancho but yeah hopefully someday if we get sponsored by sancho's then we know we've made it that's we, right we, we're big time then we're we, big time we'll be we've arrived <laughs> however we do have some great sponsors so since we're talking about that just a real quick shout out go to www.lingo l-i-i two eyes ngo eyewear.com backslash light the fight if you need any amazing eyewear fashionable eyewear they get it all for you ready online heidi and i both got hers there you've heard us talk about it before they're amazing they have not gotten any like they haven't slacked in any ways they just keep on getting better with their service with their styles they got more options than ever before so go check them out and use the code light the fight the full world light the fight uh, for $30 off on your first order. And we also got to give a big shout out to um, the big mother company, 1-800-CONTACTS, um, for being our community sponsor for all these years, without whom we would not be able to bring to you such great uh, podcasting um, deliciousness. Since we're talking about Sanchez, we'll turn our podcast into a flavor. The flavor of our podcast is sponsored and supported by 1-800-CONTACTS. Even though they're in contacts, not into restaurants, they definitely help us deliver this recipe too. So thanks to them. And uh, yeah, let's let's get after this. Right? Let, let's go and talk about uh, something that, and this was kind of another natural thing that happened. You posted something recently. So tell everybody what you posted, the response you got, and then we'll talk about it because it's definitely been our inspiration for the podcast today. You know that I am not a planner. I've confessed this. I wish I was. No, no, you make planners. You just don't use them. Continue. 
I don't use them for what they're for. I use, okay. I don't like, like, so I don't plan what's in the future. I document what actually happened because my plans never match what actually right. happened. The, the beautiful planner that I got from you, it's a photo planner. That's right. That's right. Oh, we love it. Yeah. These are, this is, it's called a memory planner. A and memory planner. That's what, yeah. I just like to tell myself that I like to leave myself open for the universe to just kind of guide and direct my life, which is really what happens. But anyway, um, I woke up yesterday morning um, feeling, I don't know, I was a little, I was a little off and I kind of, I've been doing this little um, meditation journal, journaling thing in the morning, trying to um, be more present and trying to control my morning anxiety, which I know I've talked about too. Anyway, so I woke up and I was just kind of like meditating, pondering, praying about um, what I should post about on my social media, what I should share. What happens is I kind of, I don't know, this is going to sound really hokey, you guys, but I can kind of feel when there's a message that I'm supposed to be sharing. And it's almost like I get this little notification that there's a message waiting <laughs> and I have to sort of get myself into a place to, to hear it. Um, so I know quirkiness aside, that's what happened yesterday. And I just could feel that I needed to post on my social media about like, don't freak out. And so this month in my other, in my crafting career, we, I do a kit for my memory planners. These said, said memory planners. And one of the items that was included in the kit for the subscribers was a, a washi tape that says, don't freak out. And whenever I'm doing my videos, people oh, wait, always- what's the washi tape? Okay, so washi tape. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta give David his own okay, washi just tape. Just give me the, the short version, because I, I think just, I know what you're talking about. It's just printed tape that's decorative. And you use it for what? It, decorative. I'm, I'm being serious, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not being sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I should link you Wrap to the video. Wrap with it and stuff like that? Like, yeah. Could you, oh, okay, okay. Like a ribbon I mean, almost kind of? You, you wouldn't wrap presents with it. But like, so when you're doing your layouts or on a, on a card or like oh, no, this okay. month, I shared like 10 different ideas that you can, ways to use your washi tape to make tabs or to make you're, little acts. around a card too with the tape? Yes. Okay, so I, got, I got it now. Okay. I'm starting to see it. I'm sorry, go ahead, continue. So it says, don't freak out. And I made it because there's a lot of times in my life when I'm documenting my days that I would, that would just be a really appropriate little reminder. <laughs> I'm trying not to freak out on this day and this day. So you could lace a mirror like in the morning, like your whole <laughs> mirror, you could lace it with it? Yes. I like this, all right, okay. Beautiful, I know, right? So then it kind of spawns some, some conversations with the subscribers like, okay, what is this don't freak out? And then people started putting it together because on my videos, you see me with my little don't freak out bracelet. And frankly, my don't freak out bracelet broke. And so um, I have to order more. And so apparently everyone on the internet wants one now too. So I'm gonna order a bunch more <laughs> so, we can, so we can send them out into the universe. But anyway, so people were like, okay, so what is happening with this don't freak out bracelet you're wearing and this tape and, and what does it mean? And um, so I felt like it was time for me to kind of revisit it. And I didn't even have like any current photos. So I went back two years um, looking for photos that had been taken of me at a suicide event that we did with Chick-fil-A um, and another event where I wore my don't freak out hat. So this don't freak out hat is a one of a kind too. It's not even like I was in Las Vegas and they have those little like kiosks and I just went up to it and I just had them like embroidered on a hat. Like it's. Didn't I hear you one time saying until someone can have greater issues with you than freaking out, they can wear the crown. Like until then it's your crown. <laughs> I'm, joking. I'm just joking. But I have the crown. I have the don't freak out crown. <laughs> That's why there can only be one. There can only be one. <laughs> so. Now we need to make those as well, but any event, I, I just wanna go ahead and share, you know, I've been talking about not freaking out for six years. And so I kind of sound like, I feel like a broken record, but here's what I realized. I realized that it's kind of like you're very, when you go to your very favorite band 
And even though they have like new records out, you want them to play that song. Fire and Rain by James Taylor. You want them to play Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. You know what you want them to play that song. And that's the song that you think of. That's the song that you want to hear, that you crave to hear. So even though I probably feel like a broken record, I know this is the song that not just moms, but all of us need to be reminded of. So here's what I said. I said um, on my social media, maybe you read it. It says, want to know the most important thing I've learned in the last six years since losing a child to suicide. Freaking out is not helpful. I said, so here's my reminders. Number one, freaking out is not our job. Number two, when we keep our emotions in check during difficult situations, we show others they can too. Three, there are better ways to prove that we're concerned and that we care besides freaking out. Number four, freaking out does not improve relationships. And number five, when you do freak out, you can acknowledge it and apologize it and do better. And then I said, you know, I used to think that freaking out was part of the required disciplining and instructional uh, instructional part of parenting. It's not. The most important part of parenting is building trusted, functional, connected relationships that will help everyone get through the difficulties and challenges of everyday life. In short, stay calm. And then I stole from David and said, you don't have to be cool to play it cool. Happy Halloween weekend. Because you know what? Stuff goes wrong on Halloween weekend. I do not know if it's <laughs> sugar or the, the just all those pumpkins that just need to be smashed or the fact that you're in costume and so you get to be somebody else or the fact that um, tricks and treats or, you know, I don't know what it is, but Halloween just does something to people. <laughs> you know, one, one thing you said in there, I was laughing because um, an old client of mine, she, I know she used to listen to our podcast the first year. I haven't seen her in years, so I, I can't remember. Like, it's been about three and a half years. Uh, she told me one time, it was after we did the first Don't Freak Out event, like she came to the event and she said, she goes, man, she, I'm kind of mad. I go, why? She because I know you're right. Like we shouldn't freak out. That's just a basic, everybody knows that. Like every parent knows that. She goes, but I've been kind of waiting my whole entire life to freak out on my kids. And she said, it's like a rite of passage. <laughs> she said, I would see my grandmother, even as old as she was, freak out, or no, her great-grandmother would freak out on her grandmother. Then she'd see her, like this is a family like function where they're making dinner. The great-grandmother would be like, you didn't cook this right. There's not enough salt in that. She's like, be quiet. And then the grandmother would turn towards her mother, yell at her mom, then her mom would turn towards yell at her. And she used to always say like, I can't wait till I'm old enough to have kids so I can yell at them because it's like some sort of rite of passage. Now she said- It's it only fair. Now she said it tongue in cheek, joking around, but she also said that, I guess there was kind of that, like you just ex expect that, well, this happened to me and I turned out all right. So I guess I'm just going to do it to my kids too. And then when she came to our event and then she heard us talk about it, she's like, yeah, I guess, well, I didn't like it. She could see that her grandmother didn't like it when her grandmother, great grandmother freaked out on her. Her mom didn't like it when her grandmother freaked out on her. And she definitely didn't like when her mom freaked out on her. And then she goes, well, in order for me to be totally honest, I got, I can't say that it's good for my daughter and I's relationship. And it's not like it's going to like, I've never seen a, a, a child or a teenager when their parents freaking out say, hold on a second. Let me take notes of everything you're saying because I want to make sure I take this information to heart because you obviously are calm and collective and mean everything that you say. People don't take notes on how we're behaving and like, oh my gosh, how did I joked about this last time we did a freak out episode? It's like, geez, how, how did that one boss that flipped out on everybody and lost their emotions and freaked out and screamed at everybody? How did they do that? Like, let's 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 observe this, let's go over it. But like that would be the equivalent of a sports team watching over and over again their worst play just to try to see how much they can learn from that mistake. Well, you can only learn so much from the mistake. You got to move on, create a solution outside of it. So it just made me think about this mom. And if she's listening, she knows who she is. But <laughs> she, it was just a funny thing that I just I never forgot because I'm like, that's true. I guess when I was younger, you know, you get treated a certain way and it's like you don't want to treat your kids that way but you don't really know any other way. And even though you read books and listen to podcasts, it's the way that comes. It's the first instinct for sure. 
Well, and the very first thing I said in that post, and incidentally, the thing, I guess the reason why we're talking about this is because there's, you know, hundreds of comments, a couple hundred comments on, on this and, and in DMs that I got. And then lots of people that reposted my post and then lots of people that made their own post tagging back and telling yeah. people so it, it chain, chain reaction, all these different um, conversations, just reminding me that like, it's worth talking about again and again. The first thing I said was, you know, freaking out is not your job. And I know we've, we've brought this up before, but just like you're saying, David, like we watch our parents and we watch how our mom washes clothes or irons or makes this pie or, or does this specialty, right? Like we watch this our whole life. And then there's things from that, that we take from it, some yeah. knowingly and some just unknowingly. And I think that for me, and I have a friend and I want to read her comment. She said, in, in her comment, she said, how will our kids possibly understand they're making a mistake if we aren't freaking out? And that's, that's exactly what I thought. And, and so when I said in my post, like there's other, there are better ways to show that we care, that we're concerned, that we're worried, that we're upset there. It's, it's not like we have to like have no emotion. Well, right? yeah. And, and, and here's, here's what I think about that too. Cause um, it's comparable to how, how would someone know when we're writing something because writing is a different type of communication that we're really intense and angry if we don't put an exclamation point on it. So when parents, when, when parents say things like tell their kids, don't curse the, the debate and the argument that I get from kids, it's like, well, it's just like cursing is kind of like an exclamation point sometimes. Now I'm not talking about the kid who curses like the F word every third word in a sentence because those that's extreme but sometimes when when teenagers get you know in trouble and get caught cursing for whatever reason they're just trying to put that exclamation point on it but parents have a good argument it's like you don't need to curse to make a point you don't need to curse to communicate well I think the same could be said for parents that we don't need to freak out to deliver a message that this is a very important thing we're trying to convey yeah exactly and I just I really genuinely thought that it was my job to do that freaking out. It's, it's my job to care. It's my job to teach. It's my job to guide. It's my job, you know, I, and it goes back to, I remember very clearly the three things that you taught me were my job, David. And this was, this was early on. This was like when, when court, when Corey and I first started coming to see you, you said, um, Number one, I was allowed to be a cheerleader. And number two, I was allowed to be um, a mentor. And number three, I was allowed to love unconditionally. But I was not allowed to be a savior. You know, I was not allowed, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do that. Yeah, not and, as a teenage age, by the way, let's be clear about that. If it's a one-year-old, so, yes, you have to save them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He was a teen, so just I don't want people to take that to, to the extreme. But yes, continue. There you go. Okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, I I think it just it reinforced to me. I mean, even though we talk about this, and and it is my mantra, and it is my my message, it is my song. It's still hard for me, and. I still find myself in, in trouble, it, you know, and, but I also find myself quicker to apologize and quicker to acknowledge and quicker to um, fix it. And I've also noticed, I mean, you guys probably know this in my family. I've got like this set of two old, you know, now these two older kids, um, Colton and Quincy, and then these two younger kids, Capri and Connor. And, these humans are not alike at all. And one of the things we've talked about on the, on this podcast is it's interesting because, you know, Colton is 24 
and Capri is 15. So I've got like 21, 24, and then this 14, 15 situation. So it's approximately 10 years. Yeah, young teen and a young adult. And the decade spread between my children and the things that those children are exposed to, the resources that they have, the world that we live in is, it may as well be a hundred years. I mean, the difference is significant and um, the evolution that is required of me as a mother is so much more important um, because of what they're seeing on, t on in media. I can't even say on TV because I don't even know the last time my kids turned on a TV. Well, if they're using the big screen to play a video game, you know. And, they're streaming something. <laughs> right. And mostly it's so. all on their own personal devices. I don't even yeah. know what they're watching. And, and sometimes they'll like, tell me what they're watching and I'll pop into Netflix and watch it and I'll go, okay, well, there's some conversations here where we just need to make sure we have, you know? And so I think that my older kids sometimes look at me and say, mom, you never would have let us get away with this. You never, you would have freaked out on us. And I'm like, yay. So you're saying I'm improving. <laughs> you're saying I'm getting better at this. And the things that my younger kids talk to me about and tell me about, my older kids said, we never would have told you that. Yeah. You know, because they just knew I would absolutely lose it. And so I don't think that I let them get away with it we just have different relationship and a different conversation and a different um, understandings. Well, it's a different lifetime for you as a parent as well. Like this is 100%. your second run of parenting, not your first. It's, it's a different span of parenting for you. And would you mind if I, if I interject and, and say something and comment yeah. on something you said? No, please. Um, uh, I'm glad you brought up what we talked about when we first met and that, um, you know, you talked about what is your, what is your job as a parent? Well, let's use that analogy as a job real quick. People get paid to do the right job and do it well. So if someone was to get a job at, at a company and they were, their job was to, let's say it's just something basic. Let's say they're supposed to answer phone calls, customer service phone calls, take that customer service phone calls, um, help those people with their issues, get them to the right department. And that was their job. But if they went to work and they didn't take that many calls, because they were using their phone and they were on social media and they're just, you know, doing TikTok videos at work and stuff like that. They wouldn't get paid for that job. Right. So they they were, yeah. Yeah. So, so they were doing a job that they felt was important, but not the job that was helpful. Now they could have argued, say, Hey, you know, like I was on my phone looking up stuff to on the company website to help the people. And I got distracted. Next thing you know, I was looking at my social media. Like, so you're only going to get paid for doing the right job, the job that you were supposed to do. And then you get paid because the payment is really the confirmation or validation that the efforts that you did were effective and helped. So as a parent, there's a lot of jobs that we take on as parents. Some we get payment immediately, some it's in the, in the short-term future, and some are definitely in the long-term future. But there's other jobs that we take on that we never receive payment for at all because that was never a job that was required of us. It wasn't a job our kids or our family needed, but it was a job that we felt we were entitled or like talking about freaking out. It was just, you know, this was a, you know, this was a rite of passage and we had it done to us, so we have to do it to our kids. So when, when we look at it that way as a parent, you know, there's a lot of things that we could analyze, just self-assess, like, man, it's like, am I doing a job that has a return on its investment that's paying me back? And if not, maybe it's because that's not the job I'm supposed to be doing right now. Maybe when my kid was eight and 10 years old, that was really important for me to build uh, an invisible bubble around them and constantly they oversee all these little aspects of their life, but maybe 15 to 16 year old, maybe that can be confining in certain areas. Maybe that can be something where, like we talked about with your son being a teenager, when you said mentor, it would be argued that some parents would say, well, like, 
well, you know, how's a mentor supposed to parent? How's a mentor supposed to like lay down the hammer and tell your kid what they have to do? Well, good mentors are working with people that are beyond basic education. Good mentors, you don't, me there's mentors don't help people usually, like academic mentors aren't mentoring elementary school kids. They're mentoring in graduate school after they've done with school and they're in the work environment. So a mentor really in that sense you're looking at as a person that's helping someone get to the next level, not the person helping with the A's, B's, and C's, the ones, twos, and threes. Mentoring when you're a when you're helping when you're working with teenagers, yes, by definition, you're their parent, but you're not a teacher when they're when they're adolescents because they don't want to learn. They're not trying to learn from you what you're telling them is what I'm saying. You're more of like a real life teacher, which is you're modeling for them. Now, if you are doing good job at modeling for them, and like you said, one of your greatest successes is that your kids open up to you and talk to you, well, that means you've been doing the right job. If your kids are going to open up to you and talk to you, they feel like you can come to them more often. That means they do not see you as a person who freaks out as the majority of the time. That would be the exception to the rule. If the rule is you don't freak out and every now and then you freak out, they'll still come to you with their information. They'll still bring bigger problems in their life to you. But if you're the type of parent that your kids will not talk to you, they withhold information, maybe they go to your partner or their uncles, their aunts or everyone else, then you got to do a little self-assessment. It's like, maybe I'm putting my efforts into a job that I'm not getting paid for because that's not the job they need right now for me to do for them. Yeah, that's, that's a great, that's a great way. And I liked when you said, you know, is this a job that you're, that you're investing in? Uh, like, because if you're doing your job to strengthen that relationship, that's going to pay you back yeah. for, for, you know, for a long time. If, if you're working um, to contribute to that fund, you know, that relationship. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that like, we always use exercise. You usually use exercise on this podcast, right? In the short term, if someone has not exercised in a long time, but they made a goal to like, okay, I'm gonna start exercising. There's a lot of resistance physically, mentally, emotionally in the very beginning. That's going to make someone say, this isn't worth the payoff. It's you're not, you're not losing 50 pounds. The very first day you exercise, if that was the case there, you know, no one would have any troubles with, you know, being overweight. It would just, it'd be easy. Everybody would do it, but because it's a difficult, because of the struggle, if we see it as a long-term investment, then we can stay there and continue to work through it, through those pains, because physically you get sore and stuff. Same thing with some of these investments in our work with our kids and our teenagers. If we figure out the right job that they need us to do at the moment, even if they resist us, even if there's some things that don't work out in the very beginning, but if we're putting our energy into the right work, we will over time start to see that pay off. But sometimes we put in into something that wasn't a good investment and we don't find out till months down the road, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have been doing that. That's where it's really hard for a lot of parents to self-correct and switch to a different pattern. Because once we put a lot of time and effort investment into something, it becomes something we're kind of married to sometimes, not all the time, but we're like, we want to defend, well, well I read this book and, and I was told that I'm supposed to do this. It's possible that we were too literal in the way we interpreted what we were supposed to do. It's possible that the developmental stage our kid is at, I brought this up before, I've had so many people tell me that they were told that they should never let their kids have sleepovers. And then I had to remind them, when did you hear that? And they told me the year. I said, how old was your kid at that time? They said, eight years old. I said, how old is your kid now? They said, 17. I said, okay. Is it possible that at 17 years old, there could be problems by letting your kid have a sleepover at a friend's house? They said, yes. Is it more likely that your kid's going to be molested at seven or eight or 17? They said, well, seven or eight. I said, yeah. If someone touches your child inappropriately at that age, they most likely, it's a higher probability that they, it's a mutual exchange of touching, which would not make it inappropriate. Okay. And I know that's kind of a hard thing to say. I'm just weighing out the odds. So some, and I'm using that as an example, sometimes we will take a, like, okay, this is what we need to do. But to keep our kids safe, we can't let them have sleepovers. But that doesn't mean you, they, because they, at 18, they're going to have them whether you like them or not. 
So <laughs> at what time of their development was that a rule and was that an effective job? I don't know. That's just an example. That's just a, a, you know, one example. This is why we're always having to evolve our parenting. Our workshops that we did, we always call it Parenting 2.0. Right. And so this episode with Don't Freak Out, we're calling it Don't Freak Out 21.0. That's every year there's a different iteration. Sometimes it's certain months. In the very beginning of the quarter in August, when your kids are starting school, your parenting approach should be different now, starting to come in November, than it was starting August. Because the excuse is if they're not getting the grades now, we may have to reevaluate their process of how they think they're going to get good grades if it's not equaling good grades. If they're not falling through at their end, that doesn't mean it's time for us to freak out now because we gave them two months to get their grades together. No, it means we might need to have a totally different approach. We may have to come at this from a totally different angle, again, using grades. So we need to change our parenting in certain situations from August to November. Now, other things in parenting are going to be staples that we never change. Support, right? Cheerleading, mentoring. Because when your kids get old and they're adults, they're still going to need you to be their mentor. And if you've built that strong relationship with them, with them, they will give you plenty of opportunities to weigh in on their life. So let me ask you this. This is, and this kind of still seeps in. I think it's still why freaking out happens for me, even though I really don't want to be a freaker outer. But there's this, you know, and I've said it to my kids, why do I have to yell? Why why does it take me getting mad in order for you to finally actually listen to me or finally actually do something? So like, it can be as simple as, can you pick up your shoes? Can you, can you pick up your towel? You know, whatever. It's simple. Like the first five, six times I ask, I'm not freaking out. I'm calm. There's a reason I'm saying, please, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt time has passed. Now we're three days, you know, and, and it hasn't, it hasn't happened. I've, I've been nice. I've tried to be connection. I've modeled behavior. My shoes are put away, whatever. And when you do freak out and you do get mad, then boom, shoes picked up, gone. Right. So what that does is that just feeds the natural, like, Oh, okay. Freaking out works, you know? So let's say that I'm in a situation and I know like my kid is on my, on its, on its device more than I'd like. And I've tried to be nice. I've tried to be cool. Like I'm understanding what our boundaries are. I'm not reading over the shoulder. I'm not giving them 20 minutes timeline or, you know, whatever it is. And yet my kid is still on their device all the time. And I'm trying to play it cool. I'm trying to give them, I know that it's important. I know it's how they interact with their tribe. I know, you know, all this stuff. And yet the behaviors are not where they need to be in our family in order for any functionality in order for any expectations. And if my, my brain knows that if I do get mad and I lose my shiz, I get results, you know, how do we, how do we balance this? Well, it's a very good question. Um, first off, uh, let, let me start. Cause I have, there's two thoughts that I want to share in this. The first one I'll share, I was going to share the second one. I'll, I'll share this first. What you're asking me is, I've had so much success freaking out. It gets instant reaction. It gets the, gets the wheels turning. They start moving. They start getting everything going. But there's a diminishing return on that investment. Relationship. You, you lose energy and you lose the relationship. It's damage control and crisis control. It's, hey, I've tried to be the nice um, fire. I tried to be the nice uh, forest ranger. It says, Hey, please put out your fires. Please, you know, you know, please pick up your trash because it could cause a forest fire. Please don't leave food out because bears could come get you. La 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 la. And now I'm the firefighter coming in to put out a forest fire and yelling, get the hell out of here or else you're going to die. 
so the the forest fire firefighter they're there not to talk not to comfort not to give instruction they're there to make sure things don't burn it's first responder 101 not in the sense of they're communicating like a first responder they're the most extreme version of a first responder when the building's burning they got to get people out and they can't say excuse me would you mind, by the way, how would you like me to address you before I tell you to get out of the fire? They're like, get the hell out of the building. Come on, let's go, let's go. They don't have time for pleasantries and worrying about hurting people's feelings because people can die. Now, at other points of their work, like a first responder does have to put on a different hat and does need to calm someone down after an accident. We've talked about this in the podcast tons of times. They have to say, hey, you're going to be okay. Step aside. Let me help you out. They're not shaming, they're not yelling because there's no need to do that in that particular situation. So they have to play two different roles. Same person, completely two different roles, completely two different situations, okay? So if you're a parent listening to this and you're saying, yeah, you know, it's like, even though, you know, it gets, it gets the butts out of the seats, it gets our kids cleaning up, it gets them doing their chores when I'm yelling at them, it never feels right. Because our brain knows that that is a short-term solution to a long-term problem. And the long-term problem is how are they going to figure out how to light the fire under their own butts and do it on their own? Now, let me flip it around and do a reversal. For the women out there listening to this podcast, because I know it's predominantly women, let's face it, predominantly moms. Um, have you ever found, and maybe you didn't come across this yourself, but maybe you have. If you can see me, I'm winking, like a little sarcasm coming here. Okay. Have you ever found that in the dating process before you, you met someone that, you know, assuming that you're married or have some sort of, you know, intimate partner right now, but in the dating process, have you ever found that you come across this person and they're just a sweetheart and an angel of a person? They will, <laughs> they will pay for every meal. They'll say, hey, how you doing there? They're so kind and they're so nice. Your parents, your friends are like, oh my gosh, this person, you should really be with this person. This person's so nice and so amazing. And you're like, yeah, they are. But for some reason, that niceness, the kindness, the gentle nature about them, there's something lacking there. There's nothing there for some reason that creates a, a passionate chemistry. That safe, logical person that you should want to fall in love with just for some reason, just doesn't, you know, get the engine going. Some people even said that the safe person as great as that is, you're not sure if safety is going to give you the strength and the structure and have that, you know, that ability to, to maintain the day-to-day -day difficulties that relationships in life can give you especially if that person just agrees with everything that you say, goes along with everything. It's almost like they're too safe. Now, when I've had conversations, because I've counseled a lot of, you know, um, you know, 20, 30 year old women who, and 40 year old and older, we're saying like, there's this guy and he's been there for a long time. I just, I don't know, just something about it. Like he's just, yeah, he's perfect in all these other ways. I'm just not really that attracted to him for some reason. They can't put their finger on it, but they do eventually come to one conclusion. They respect them as a human, as a being, because the person has complete unconditional love and respect for them. However, they don't have admiration for that person. They're not coming to that person to help them when the when you know the you know when things really get tough, because that person seems to be a person that's good at agreeing and good at going along with them. Not a good, not good at challenging them and helping them figure out what are some of their shortcomings and flaws. That person is just a great pillow and a good friend. Some people even unknowingly put that person in the friend zone. Now let's take a relationship with you and your children. Talked to a lot of mothers throughout the years. They've lived hard lives. They swore that their kids were going to live a better life than them. And by all measurements, their kids do live a better life than them. They've created a life for their children that makes their life and their childhood pale in comparison. 
And I would share with them a, a saying I heard a long time ago. Now I'm gonna use this saying referencing one gender, but I think it's it's safe to say that this could be with all, you know, with with multiple like genders, identifications, whatever. But the saying goes, hard times make hard men. Hard men make soft times. Soft times make soft men. So think about that. If you've had a rough life and you've worked hard to make your children's life easier, taking in consideration what I just said about the dating analogy and with this, um, this saying I just said, because it could see soft, soft times or hard times make hard women. Hard women make soft times and soft times make soft women and children. So if we look at it that way and taking that dating analogy, let's put those two together is it possible to think that our loving and soft, caring nature to be a complete servant to our children, to provide them with every luxury, intellectual property, everything that they need to succeed in this world is great and in many ways a disadvantage? Is it possible that they don't have any clue about how difficult our lives have been, which is why we're able to provide such a comfortable life for them? In those moments, and I'm about to get street and hood with you guys for a second, okay? In those moments, you become a person, and I'm, I'm talking to Heidi right now, I'm looking at her, but this could be received for a lot of people. At that moment, your kids went from... Uh, I've kind of friend, I've kind of friend zoned my mom. She's sweet. She's nice. And she's great. But like, you know, and I like a lot of things about her, but like, she's like, you know, like she just does everything for me. So even though I love her, I don't know if I really respect her all that much, like real respect. Like I would a person who I want to be like that person. Cause they're amazing. Like that amazing person in your life. Like, Oh my gosh, how that woman's so strong. She's so brave. Cause let's face it. We admire bravery and courage and at that moment the mom recognizes is it possible that the mom recognizes and says oh my kids mistook my niceness and me playing so sweet is if i'm a punk and i'm a pushover well let me show them another side of me that they do not want to see because i am no beta i am strong and i'm capable and i'm going to wield the sword of you better get your ass up right now and clean that damn kitchen and pick up your clothes or else you're going to get the dragon and then they go oh my gosh i anticipate i didn't know my mom had this in her. okay fine fine and then the fear of god um buddha i don't know who who puts fear in you higher power whatever it is comes raining down on them and they go oh my gosh i thought my mom was this weakling and it turns out that she's got a dragon inside of her and then after the event all they learned was where the limit is i can be lazy and i can do these things for a week or two weeks or for this amount of time but once it gets to that point and my mom gives me the signal that that's enough, then I'll take her seriously and respect her and I'll do what she asks. But until then, I'll just wait until she's willing to stand up to me and show her courage and bravery. The problem is, and we've talked about this before, the definition of the word power between human beings means the ability to influence. Now there's many ways to influence a person, bribery, manipulation, money, good looks, blackmail. You can influence your kids and it's been successful by being the best mother you could possibly be. You get the food on the table, you buy them what they want. Oh, mom, I, and I know we don't have a lot of money right now, but look how cute these shoes are. You think to yourself, if I'm a good mom, I'm gonna find a way to make that money and get those shoes on because I'm gonna get to post about it. We're gonna show that, we're gonna have that moment shopping. We're gonna have this bonding moment. Two hours later, you get the disrespect, the wet towels on the floor and you're like, wait a second. I was trying to show them that I'm willing to invest in them if they're willing to do what I want them to do. And then now I got to freak out to show them that I'm not being, you can't play me because I come from the old school and the old school, my parents would have whooped my butt and not bought me anything afterwards. Because my parents didn't feel as guilty for their horrible parenting actions as I do. Parents back in the old days could yell at you, shame at you, hit you, spank you. And afterwards, 
they didn't show much remorse. <laughs> Nowadays, if we did any of those things as parents, most good parents are like, oh my gosh, I feel so horrible. And so then they give you money for the chores that you didn't do. They feel so bad that they let your, the fact that your wet towels are there, they let it slide the whole entire week because they knew that they were mean to you a week before. And then a week later, they yell at you again and the cycle continues over and over again. So if you take that analogy with dating and you take it to what we've watched our parents go through and then we flip that switch from, oh, I'm not a pushover mom. I'm a mom that can get crap done. Don't you dare test me. If we go back and forth between those places, we're living in the extremes of shaming and coddling, even though we swore we never would. We're no longer able to play two different roles like the really good first responder, the firefighter that can be thoughtful, caring, articulate, but can also be intense and extreme. When that firefighter plays those two different roles, the firefighter doesn't play the extreme role when there's no forest fire. That was the point of that analogy. The firefighter has to, he or she has to identify, is there a forest burning and can people die? Well, then I'll go into that role, but never before. Until that role is required, I have to stay in the role of first responder because that's how you really influence people for the long term. You let them first influence you. You let them tell their stories, let them tell their excuses. I'm experiencing this right now with my new class at, at Harriman High School. I went back to, to like really working this week. Last quarter, I was having to show a lot more videos of me talking than me actually talking. <laughs> this quarter, two days in the class, these kids don't know me. They don't respect me. The last class would have been like, Mr. Cause, whatever you want. I mean, they would have just, I mean, they would have done their homework. They would have done anything I had to. I had them eating out of my hands because I took me a quarter to earn that respect. They're on their phones or like this and that. So I just tell them, I have no phone policy. I just have an agreement. If you talk, if I'm talking, put down your phones, take out those, uh, what are those uh, digital Q-tips you have in your ears? Yeah, yeah, those things. Just take them out. The first day, I let people in the back miss, like be a little, you know, talkative during my discussion. I, I reminded the whole class, not one person. I didn't say, hey, you in the back, stop that. I said, hey, you guys, I know sometimes you know, our phones just like they sum us up, summons us like, please look at me. You must look at me. Come hither. And I'm just joking around. And then they know I'm talking to them, but then they kept on looking at their phone. No, complete disregard for my instruction. They don't know me. They don't have a relationship with me. Then the second day comes. The second day I start doing more of that. And then by the end of the second day, I look at them and tell them, I predict next class, you guys are going to do so much better job at me at listening to me and putting your phones down and taking your ear pods out. And I said, you want, you guys, any idea, have any, you have any idea why I'm predicting in the future in the next class, you're going to do way better than you did the first and second class. And the kids looked at me, they're like, uh, no. And not, by the way, not all of them are doing this, just a handful. And I said, because I showed you for two classes that I'm not going to police you. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to shame you and call you out in, in the classroom. You're being disrespectful and tell you to put your phone down. I'm going to be respectful of your right as an American to do whatever you want. I won't force you to do it. But next class, you're going to do it even better than you did today. Because as of right now, without me having to get upset with you, I can simply share to you, I've been nice to you to show you respect. But I am no punk. I'm not going to sit here and just allow you to get the best grade possible in my class after I've given you so much respect. I haven't talked. I haven't said nothing mean to you. I will never yell at you. That's why you're going to listen and you're going to do a better job next time. I can already see it. And I smiled. The whole class went silent. Some of the kids that were very good at this, they looked at the kids next to them that weren't doing good. And they're like, ooh, they guys look like. And those kids looked at me and go, oh. He, in a very kind way, made a very strong statement. I didn't have to flex my muscles. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot something tall, you know, 200 something pounds. I don't have to come in with a really tight shirt and do a bunch of push-ups before a class to make my veins pop out to show them how big and tough and strong I am. I don't have to grow out my beard really long to like, look at me. I have to tell them, yeah, when I played football, people were scared of me and I'm a real man. I just politely told them something that we've shared on the podcast. In order to be wise, 
you have to play the fool for just a little bit. But if you play the fool for too long, you play the nice parent for too long, you will get played yourself. So make sure that you let your kids know that you're serious before you freak out. Find better ways to share that same message. That's the point of why I said all this. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always going to be like another new next reason to freak out. Absolutely. You know, I had an interesting experience. I, and I, I probably got to be careful because if these people are listening, which I know some do. <laughs> anyway, there's. I think they listen. I think half of our followers are listening just to see if you're going to share their beans, spill their beans on the podcast. Because <laughs> you guys, talk, Heidi's not a therapist. She's not bound to confidentiality. I have to like change the details of a story, change a name. Like she just like, no filter. Here you go. <laughs> we got this. There's this one individual in the carpool that just. Like life hasn't smacked him hard enough yet. And it's really a she, you're just saying a he, right? <laughs> okay. And the, the thing is, the things that comes out of this person's mouth are so not okay. And so I had everyone in the carpool except for this individual gets in and, and before he gets in the carpool, it's a he, it's a she, whatever gets in the carpool the kids in the carpool are like oh my gosh you should have heard this that the other so they he gets in the car and the kids start baiting him right he says some things and he changes it because he knows he can't say it in front of me and um and he gets out and they're like wow he didn't say those things in front of you he didn't want you to know. He's like, he said that right smack in front of his teacher. He said that right smack in front of his mom. And he didn't say it in front of you. And I thought, you know, that is interesting. Yeah. And, um, and I thought back and there's been a couple of times that he said something and I said, not in my car, bro. You know, kind of with a little twinkle slash don't mess with me. And, and so I get where you're coming from. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying, Heidi, because that example that you just used, when I use that statement, like sometimes you got to play the fool to get wise, meaning sometimes you just play as if it's all good. And if you say it in that same cadence, in that same tone, something very serious, it makes people really wait, what's going on here? Because some of the best ways you can tell your kids that you're serious is you look at them and you tell them, I'm, I believe, hold on a second, I got my mind reading powers on right now. I'm so confident right now that you guys are gonna do your chores right now because I'm calm and I'm relaxed. And I know you would never want me to freak out, lose my temper. Because we can all agree that if I freak out, lose my temper, ooh, that's like, that's a bad for everybody. I start taking phone, I start taking apps off your phones. People can't go out on hangouts with their with their friends. And then I gotta do all my stuff to feel, I feel horrible and guilty and ashamed. And we definitely wouldn't wanna do that now, would we? You predict the future form and that is dropping little breadcrumbs, how to get home to where you really want them to be. That's playing chess, not checkers. That's thinking in the long-term. They think in so, think about memes. Memes make you like think for a second. If your message is too direct and it's the same words over and over again, their brain is not sparked by curiosity. They don't have to puzzle together the riddle just you put out there. But just like I said to the kids in my class, they sat there and had to think about what I was saying. They're like, oh, this guy is nice. And he's actually very serious at the same time. <laughs> this is very peculiar. Let me sit back and hang back because I thought I was just going to get away with everything. And a lot of parents mistake my suggestions in their parenting that they should just let their kids run amok. No, no, no. It's part of the plan to give a little bit of leeway so that you can say, I've shown you the respect before you even deserved it. Now you need to give it back to me. I've already earned it. Now, whether you want to give it back to me, that's up to you. But if I have to punish you, it will not be, I'm not going to save you 
by being mad at you. Because if you get pissed off and angry at your kids every time you punish them, you're saving them from any accountability because now they just get to be mad at you for being mad at them and you didn't learn it. They didn't learn anything and you just got more frustrated. That's a really interesting point that I don't know that we've ever really talked about. By the way, you guys, if you're listening to Heidi, she is not growling in her stomach because she misses Sancho's talk. Yeah, I know. I feel bad because if, if you can see the video, <laughs> I'm trying to show you in the video. We got Rocky here and he's- You can't see the video. We're doing Zoom today. We're not back in the studio yet. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, sorry. We got- I didn't want people to think you had bad gas or something, Heidi. Yeah. And actually, if you take my videos, if you take my classes, you always hear Rocky breathing in the background. It's a like white noise. <laughs> white noise machine oh sorry 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 okay you need to repeat that just one more time just to save all the rewinds because okay. what you said is that if you prepare them warn them they know that you're going to get mad you said something like If you, if you get mad when you punish or you get mad when you follow up, you give them an excuse to be mad at you. Well, yeah, in, in, in basic terms, if you go from coddler to shamer, because that's what it feels like to them. My mom was this innocent butterfly baking me cookies, picking out the clothes I wanted, always there for me and doing everything. So I'm going to take advantage of it because they're, they're little humans. If you're going to make their lives more comfortable, there is a cost to pay if you don't give them the understanding that you're not doing it because you are some beta human being that just wants to be a doormat as a parent. You're doing it out of love, but they're not old enough to understand that because they've never raised children. They don't know what that type of love is like. So when you do these things for them, you tell them, listen, I'm doing this for you, not because you're actually deserving of it because you got such great grades and did your chores i'm letting you go hang out with your friends because i'm showing you that i care that this actually means a lot to you so just to let you know when i ask you to do the chores when you come home i'm not going to beg you i'm not going to nag you and i'm not going to yell at you if you don't do them but after one reminder if you don't do them just be confident that i'm not going to let you hang out or do those things next time so i'm going to give it to you up front let me give you the respect. Then when they don't do whatever it is, just say, hey, listen, you know, I, I know you had a long night and I had a long day and I know you have a long week and that's probably why you didn't do the chores or whatever. But instead of getting mad at you right now, I'm going to give you another chance to do it. Because if you don't do it, gosh, I may go back to that old parent that always yelled, got pissed off, and then you get mad at me and then I get mad at you. And then I start taking phones off, uh, apps off your phone. Then I start getting really personal. And then I, then you can't hang out with your friends and you get mad at me for being mad at you. And then I get stressed out and blah, blah, blah. So what you're doing is you're telling them, let's not go to that place before it even gets there. You're giving them the get out of jail free cards. And then when it does happen, when they don't follow through, you look at them and say, listen, the old me would have got pissed off. The new me is just going to say, it's all good. You can do the chores. And you know, I know you're bummed you can't hang out with your friends right now, but you'll figure it out next time. You show strength and consistency. Structure equals safety. Every, every parent knows that your kids need structure, but they're constantly going to try to put holes in the structure to alleviate any sort of discomfort at that moment. It's your job to have structure that's not personal. So the last thing that I said that you really wanted me to repeat was do not rob your kids of the lessons to be learned by the structure. If you get pissed off at them, if you yell at them, if you freak out too often, they never get to think what role did I play in my punishment? They will blame you for being mad at them. Natural human response. Every time someone gets mad at you when you should be mad at them, it's because they do not feel that they are being treated nicely. Not that they don't deserve the treatment, they just took it personal. So if you make the consequences personal parents, you're gonna make sure that your kids aren't learning the lesson and you guys will repeat that same cycle over and over again, which is why Heidi, your brain goes, freaking out on my kids gets them to do what I want them to do. 
but it doesn't get to check off the I'm being a good mom to prepare them for their adult life because whoever they marry, whoever they're with in the future is going to be pissed off saying, you didn't learn how to do your own damn laundry. You don't pick up after yourself. What the hell? What did your parents teach you? It's like, my parents taught me that I'm special and I don't have to do any of those things because they loved me so much because their parents were so hard on them that they had to be kind and nice to me. Well, I don't know if too many parents out there want to create codependent children in adulthood. I think the world has enough entitled codependent adults. I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm just leaving it. I'm just dropping that and leaving it out there. It's a, this is a good, it's a good conversation because this is what, where it goes to in our brains of if I'm not freaking out, I'm just letting everything go. They're not which, learning a lesson, which is really not what we're talking about. It's delivery. It's building the foundation and the structure and it's reminding and it, and the reason why it's hard is because it evolves, right? The relationship evolves, nothing stays the same. And so the boundaries keep getting pushed and the limits keep changing. And so the freakouts, those, those surges of emotions that we have as parents keep coming. <laughs> and so we have to keep making that decision, keep remembering that our influence, you know, is not going to come, is not going to be improved, is not going to, it's not going to serve us if we're losing control of our emotions. Absolutely. Can, can I make one more point? Because I know we got to get wrap wrap this up really quickly. Um, I'm going to use the analogy of something that we've talked about. If you come to our workshops, this is a an actual big section of our workshop. I want you parents to think about this, to drive this home, to make sure that you can put yourself in your kid's shoes. Think of what boss would have a more long lasting influence on you as an employee, the boss that you're willing to take your job serious, respect the company and actually want to stay there longer. Cause at the end of the day, every boss has a job and part of their job is to make sure that they have good employee retention that their employees want to work for the company. The employees feel like they're validated. They feel like they're meaningful to the company's overall success, even if they don't share the same pay wage as the, as the owners of the company. So think about it this way. What boss will you respect and actually work harder for? The boss that freaks out on you all the time or the boss that comes to you you know you've made a mistake. You know you haven't done good. Maybe you're really defensive and, and scared they're going to yell that. And they come at you calmly, say, listen, they give you the benefit of the doubt. They trust that you didn't mean to do it on purpose. Whether you're just being a bad employer or not, they just speak to you with such respect, almost as if you're a partner in the company, and tell you they trust that you're going to do a, be job better next, a better job next time because they know that you actually care about your job. You've just probably had a stressed out day or just happen to over oh, just overlook something which boss do you think you're going to want to work for what boss is going to have long-lasting influence over you and if you remember what i just said a little bit ago you guys the definition of power is the ability to influence lots of ways to get influence but the best way to get influence is first consider what are the most important things thoughts feelings and opinions for your child's development let that have influence over you and if you think about that, you're not going to come out with the conclusion of, oh, what has better influence over them is if I yell at them all the time. Just because it happened to you doesn't make it right. Oh, I, I appreciate that. You know, every time you bring up the, the bosses thing, I'm always like. There's not a better analogy. It just, in my opinion, I've never come up with a better analogy because we've all had crappy bosses. Yeah. And, and it is, it is hard because the, the, there's not a lot of really exceptional bosses like that. There is not. Which is why people are still coming to listen to this podcast. It's why people are still striving because, because it, it takes work, you know, and it, and it doesn't come naturally. It is something you have to learn and it's something that you have to keep learning and keep working on, but it's something that really pays you back. Um, 
And I have really, I really appreciate that about it. So David, I, I mean, this is, <laughs> we're sitting here, we're calling this, you know, don't freak out 21.0. Um, you know, we've been talking about this for a lot of years and I think that we'll be talking about it for many more years. Um, it is my, it is the, the, the swan song probably of this, of this podcast. Um, it's your peanut butter and jelly. It's your tortilla <laughs> and, and chicken on your Sancho's tacos. <laughs> That's right. And so you, you listeners will hear us continue to talk about it. And, and I think that as listeners and as a community here, it's something that we're going to continually bump up against and try to do better. And so as we talk about it and learn, I think it's just going to make us all stronger and, and get us to where we, we hope to be. And if you want to get a little bit more information on this, because I decided through this conversation, there's some thoughts that I just didn't have time to share in here. So I'm going to share them on the Patreon. So if you guys want some, some extra thoughts and information, because where we stopped, I can talk a whole lot more about that. I'm going to be sharing that on Patreon. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. It's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash light the fight. It's $5 a month. And every week we just throw up an extra video up there. Um, it's kind of like our own private, like little Facebook commenting page where you can comment on the videos. We can comment back with you guys. Um, we have a number of people that have signed up for it. Like I said, it's just five bucks a month and it just, you know, it helps us out and, you know, gives you guys some extra informa information too. So we're going to give you some more information on this topic in this week's Patreon episode. What do you think, Heidi? I think that's the right move. Cause, I, yeah. Cause we could talk on and on about this one. So. Well, I, and I think the more, <laughs> the more information, the better. So it's good. It's good. All right, you guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for trying to be better and being aware of, of the need to be better. Um, and thank you for, as always, for helping us to light the fight.